Listening to the 16th episode of the Extensive Reading Podcast, where we take an intensive look at extensive reading. I am Travis Past, and along with me is Jose Camino. And uh, yeah, we have a very special episode today. Uh, we're playing an interview that we recorded a couple of weeks ago uh, with uh, Navinder Kaur. Uh, who's Navinder Kaur? Navinder Kaur is uh, an English teacher of secondary schools in malaysia so we are jumping we live in japan yeah, yeah we're jumping outside of japan going over to malaysia today so that's that's exciting uh but before we get to that um tomorrow yeah so this this episode will be released on the 17th if you're listening the day of <laughs> if you were eager enough to download this episode right when it came out i'll have you know that tomorrow <laughs> is is Jera's big day. Jera's big day. The Japan Extensive Reading Extensive Reading Association. Uh, yes, uh, that's basically the association of Japanese teachers uh, mm-hmm. doing uh, extensive reading in Japan in many different ways. Uh, so tomorrow at uh, Kyoto Gaidai University or Kyoto University of Foreign Studies. Tomorrow, uh, as in February eighteenth. As in February eighteenth. Uh, Kyoto Gaidai. Yes, starting at. 10 in the morning, I believe, but you should check it, check that out on the web. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of uh, nice presentations. and uh, Some of our previous guests actually uh, will be there. Uh, yes, uh, um, Professor Atsuko Takase, who we had in episodes 6 and 7, uh, telling us mostly about motivation and about doing ER before, yeah, for a long before time. ER even existed. <laughs> And Aaron Campbell, who we just recently talked to for an episode. So they'll both be there tomorrow and many more. And we'll be there. Yeah. Hope you will too. So back to today, uh, we will be talking with... Uh, Nevin Dekor, um who's an uh, English teacher at a secondary school in, in Malaysia. As we said, yeah. As we said, and uh, who's um, who's been doing ER for a really long time and who published a really nice article on a really nice project. Yeah, um, uh, we get a, we get into that a bit on in the uh, in the interview. And to set it up, because I don't know if we really did in the question, this is a project where she used... Um, High school students, secondary students, mm-hmm. 15-year-olds to read to primary school students who are age 12. So, yeah, it, it kind of links uh, with um, our 13th episode with uh, Dr. Jacobs. Uh, I think there's a lot of um, cooperative learning mm-hmm. uh, inspiring that project. Yeah. So we hope you'll enjoy the interview. ER journey started way back. Um, 
let's see, uh, okay, I, I, I'm a teacher, I'm an English language teacher, mm-hmm. right? And I realized that I, I was focusing a lot on the productive skills and, and I had students had a lot of problems with that. And I realized that uh, I had to do some receptive skills. You know, like you need input before you can get the output. And uh, I realized that my students were not doing enough reading to get that input. Mm. So that's when I started uh, doing a bit of reading on uh, reading, on extensive reading, basically. And uh, along that time, I was doing my post-grad studies, my PhD thesis, and I started reading lots of journals, and that's how I got to know more about ER. What are some of the ways that you're currently promoting reading in, in English at, at your school now? Okay, um, I do extensive reading with my students uh, at every lesson. I spend about 10 minutes uh, at the beginning of every lesson on ER. So uh, we have set up a small library in the class where I get students to contribute magazines and articles. And um, we do that in the beginning. Right. Initially, many years ago, I started doing it like once a week, mm-hmm. but felt that that was not good enough. It was like a touch and go effect. So when I, I felt that they needed more input, so I started focusing a little bit more on ER. So 10 to 15 minutes every lesson, we start with ER. And that's like sustained silent reading where every student is yeah. reading by themselves? Yes, they read on their own. Uh, it's self-selected material, comprehensible input. Uh, if they don't like it, they return the books. Uh, ER, Bad, Day and Benford's principles, 10 sure. principles. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Big fans of that here. We, <laughs> we've what? talked about that a lot, actually. Yeah, um, I, I read, I've been listening to all your thoughts, and oh. you know, you, you have so many, uh, you have, I mean, you have got so many fantastic people. We have, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've and, really... uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think, uh, the only way I can describe this session would be from theory to practice. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, when I was doing, uh, when I was reading up a lot on ER, uh, I realized that uh, it was not theory, very theoretical. All right, the comprehensible input, um, the ten principles of day and then for that kind of thing. So I had the challenge of putting that theory to practice. All right, and uh, so there were some challenges that uh, I had when I was initially starting it. It was difficult okay. to, to, to keep it, to get it going, right? I beg your pardon? Was it very difficult to get started? Yes, it was. If you look at ER, right, uh, one of the many things you said is you must have comprehensible input, mm-hmm. right? And you need a variety of uh, reading materials. Sure. Right, and uh, I'm in a government school, and we did not have that luxury of that many materials. Of course. Okay? If we had the materials, whether it was uh, CI was another challenge. Right? So those were the initial uh, stops that I faced. So that is why I felt that it was good reading about journals and seeing how people were doing it, but when it came down to the grassroots level, mm. uh, I think there were... Uh, any issues that uh, we had, I mean, I had to uh, address. Mm-hmm. Were you, did you feel like uh, the, like you were the only teacher pushing extensive reading or is there a community of teachers doing extensive reading over there? No, uh, unfortunately, ER is, is not very common over here. Uh, 
yes, there is a policy on getting students to read, uh, but I felt that it was like a touch and go thing that not enough was being done, and it was like do it when you're free, do it, do it, do it during the holidays, and it was like not well monitored and uh, not well implemented. So there were some loopholes that I felt uh, we could, I could help to address. I had to address. Okay. Uh, could you tell us about uh, how how you how you got the books, and which kind of books they were? Were they graded readers or were they books for native uh, children? No, uh, unfortunately, I don't have any graded readers. Wow! Right, like I said, yeah, we I don't have a budget to begin with. So when I initially started, uh, there was I think way back in two thousand five, and I started doing my thesis uh, and all. Uh, I knew I didn't have graded readers. I didn't have variety of books. Uh, and another challenge was motivation. I had these issues that I felt I, I needed to address. So what I said I started doing was ask each student to contribute three articles. Right. So if I had a class of thirty students, so each if three student each student would contribute three articles, then I would get about ninety articles, give and take. Alright. So I had a file and I used to compile all these articles in a file and bring that to class. Uh, I had a few classes at that time, so each class I did the same thing. So after a month I would exchange files. So there was after a month there was like always something new for them to look out for. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was fortunate that my other colleagues also started doing it. So we started exchanging files on a monthly basis. So the students were reading that single page articles. They were comprehensible. They were uh, contributed by the students, so it was comprehensible because I made sure that they only contributed articles that they understood. So that was how I made sure that I could get the comprehensible factor in, right? And then it was student selected, student contributed. So uh, that's how I started going about doing it. So that's how I got the variety of materials. Uh -huh. And these are like. Uh, <laughs> magazine articles or articles yeah. downloaded from the internet or yeah anything that like i said it had to interest them mm -hmm. so it was from magazines newspapers websites it was from uh, vouchers i mean uh, magazines from supermarkets and all that from motivation to health to things like that so that was how i addressed the problem of getting uh, not uh, not having uh, graded readers but having uh, comprehensible inputs Yeah. yeah, I like that a lot. It, you said it's like a grassroots movement of, of that. And, and I yeah. like what you said about they had to understand it before they bring it into class. So that's like a requirement. Yes. And uh, then the, the next factor was, and I was reading lots of journals, I realized that uh, in Japan especially, I mean, many of most all the research that I looked up was so much in Japan. They always always done in university level, and students would a uh, percentage of their marks came from their reading, right? Like ten percent, and and I felt that was not motivation. That was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, in my own in my own understanding, because you put a gun to their head and say, if you don't read, you're not going to get that ten percent, right? So that's that's not motivation. Motivation. That's cheating. Yeah, right. So, um, okay, I mean, you can edit that part in. No, I like oh, that. No, no, I, I like that. <laughs> as much uh, 
It's better than extrinsic motivation. Yeah, <laughs> we, we want intrinsic motivation, right? Not extrinsic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the exams here are centralized, so I could not put any percentage of their marks uh, to that final results that they get. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is why I said that it was difficult to get them motivated. There was no reason for them to read. So uh, that is why I had to make sure that they did it in class for that first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But did you find that students were willing to do that? Or was it, was it difficult to, to keep them on task in reading? Um, when I was doing my, my uh, thesis many years back, I realized there were six factors that I had to address. And uh, one of them was what you just mentioned, that to get them interested, I felt that an orientation is very, very important. Before doing uh, the ER, I had to, I, I just can't come to class and say, okay, let's do ER. I had to justify why I was doing that. And that is where uh, I referred a lot to um, the comparison between intensive and extensive. I was in Welch, I think, 1990-something, I think. Wait, okay. Yeah, okay. Right. And uh, so I, I had to tell them that what they were doing was intensive and not extensive, right? And that is where I uh, explained that the input was very important, right? If they didn't have that input, they wouldn't get the output, you know? And so I started on with wealth, explaining the difference between that very briefly. And then the next thing I did was uh, to talk about the cycle, the vicious cycle and the victorious virtuous cycle virtuous cycle yes right where uh, they had to realize that they had to read comprehensible input so that they read faster and then they will read more and then they'll enjoy reading so if not they would fall into the vicious cycle where you know they'll be looking up for words every other line so uh, I had to do that I had to set that message across first so I felt that an orientation is uh, very important at grassroots level so that's why I said that, you know, when I was thinking about what to say to uh, for this plot, I thought the best way to describe it is from theory to practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was uh, one of the things that uh, I did. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I really like okay. I really like that from theory to practice. We'll probably use that as the title of the episode. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Uh, could you okay. tell us? Could you tell us a little bit about your school and the kind? Because I'm I'm thinking your students' uh, English level is way higher than uh, than anything we can dream of here in in Japan. Right? Um, English is a second language over here, right? And uh, the problem, I suppose, is the students or the challenges that the students face is that they have no opportunity to use the language. Many of them go back to their mother tongue or the national language, which is uh, Malay, mm -hmm. right? So uh, many of them would only use the language either in school or with very close friends who speak the language. So they didn't have that opportunity to practice the language. So over the years, uh, I, I realized that, you know, we were always asking them to do writing and speaking, but like I said, they didn't have that input. So if they didn't have that input, that confidence level would not be there for them to speak. So um, not enough was being done to create opportunities for them to read and to use the language. 
we had some we had lots of activities in school we had choral speaking we had debates we had public speaking we had sketches those are very routine activities but uh, i sometimes think they catered to a small group of students and not uh, the mass mm-hmm. so, so that's that's one of the challenges that we face over here so can you can you tell the difference the before and after they they started doing reading regularly when they speak for example uh yes i i felt that uh somehow they were a little bit more confident because they were having that english environment around them a little bit more than uh you know if if it wasn't for extensive it was always intensive reading where they were doing reading comprehension that one passage over 30 minutes 40 minutes and then doing comprehension questions or summary or vocab it was too intensive and they were always struggling with that Whereas when it came to extensive reading they were comfortable because they were reading at their level so they were happy and uh, they were enjoying it and whenever it was that 10 minutes they were always like ever willing to do it and there wasn't any moan or groan that you know why are we doing er in the first 10 minutes And sometimes I had to stop them from okay, let's stop and you know let's start with our proper lesson. <laughs> so uh, I I think the the understanding went in that you know they needed to get that input in. So uh, I feel that uh, I hope that they are improving. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So a few years ago, you carried out a study, um, an interesting project of like uh, peers of different ages reading to one another. I wonder if you could tell us a bit about that that project you did. Yeah, that was I was surprised that you mentioned that. It, I mean, nobody ever asked me about that project. All right, so I was quite surprised. Uh, <laughs> well, we read it. Uh, we were reading about it just preparing for oh, this interview. So. Yeah, I I was very surprised that you know you you picked on it. So anyway, um, how did it get all started? Uh, I was very fortunate. Um. Uh, When I was doing my research on ER, I used to go a lot on the internet. There wasn't much material over here to find anything on ER, so a lot of my input for ER was based on the internet. And I participated in uh, ER groups and things like that. I used to follow uh, all these uh, journals and you know YouTube lessons and all that. And I participated in the World Congress in ER in 2015. Right, and I was fortunate to be a recipient, and I was uh, went when we went to Dubai for that program in 2015. Yeah, yes, correct. And uh, that was sometime in September, and I was very grateful for the opportunity. I was very surprised with that conference because uh, over here, when we talk of English language conferences, it's so difficult to see anyone doing ER. Mm. And hardly anyone presents uh, anything on ER, and and there was this conference solely on ER. It was so it was really a wow factor. And okay, uh, I came back uh, very grateful for the opportunity uh, to participate in that program, in that conference. And uh, so I was thinking of how I could, I don't know, pay back in other words, you know, for that opportunity. And in in November that year. Uh, usually in in schools at the end of the exam period, uh, once the students finish their exam, they have about two weeks of grace period before the holidays come in, and that's when the school organizes various activities for the students to keep them occupied. And, and uh, I was asked to do a program to you know a slot to fill up that particular week. 
and the usual programs, like I said, was always the debate, public speaking and, and things like that. And I wanted for them to do some reading activities. And merely taking them to the library, I thought it was, uh, you know, there was no, no interest in there. There was nothing wow factor in there. And that's when I thought like, okay, let me do something where I could make sure that they were interested to read. And I thought about it, how to get them to read and at the same time get someone else to read. It was, it was just an idea that I thought that if I could get them to read and let someone else read at the same time. And that's where uh, I approached the language officer, the district language office, officer, and I highlighted the idea that if I could approach a primary school so that I could bring my students over there mm -hmm. so that we could have a, a session together. So he was very positive about it. He recommended a school that was not too far. And I contacted that school and the teachers, they were very happy. They said, yes, please come along. They also were towards the end of the academic year, so they were free. So I came back and got all the paperwork done and uh, started working on it. Then the next problem was in this program was that where do I get the reading materials from, right? And uh, I was the only two sources I had. I couldn't buy them. There was no budget for the program. So it was either going back to the publishers or, and I knew that that was, not possible because there was I was not going to buy anything, so I, I knocked on the library, the town council library, and fortunately uh, at that time they had some books that they wanted to distribute to primary schools, and they said here yeah, you can take these books, and and somehow I don't know it just fell into place. Yeah, it's, it's what like Santa Claus coming. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so, so, so that was. Fifteen-year-old students reading to to twelve-year-olds. Yes, correct. And you, as, you did that twice, two two different visits. Yeah, because uh, I didn't want it to be a one-way affair, right? It had to be that the students had to read, and the message had to go back to the younger kids that reading was so important, and I wanted them to enjoy that reading aspect also. So the first round was where my students read, got the book, and I. Uh, in, uh, encourage my students to read the books and then uh, bring those books along to the primary school and at the primary school uh, introduce the books to them and left the books with the primary kids. So two weeks later when we went back, uh, the primary school kids should have read it in that period and they had to relate the story or talk about that story to their peers, the, the older kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, I suppose the uh, I, I started when I wrote that article. I think uh, I did say that um, I was very doubtful whether it was an ER program. Uh, reason being that it was such a touch and go program, just two visits, mm -hmm. and you know we talk of ER doing six months, nine months to have an impact. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, very skeptical. I was very doubtful, but I thought uh, I, I did mention that you know it might not address an ER program, but it was just an a platform to introduce uh, reading opportunities. So that was how it came about. Yeah, I think um, just giving students a positive experience in reading in English, even though that might not specifically be extensive reading, is important to to build an extensive reader, right? To to help students have pleasure in reading, and that's what's yeah. going to lead them to read extensively. Yeah, I mean, yeah, in that in that short period, I, I hope that it, the students were very positive about it. 
we were keen and they wanted to have a third session and but fortunately it was the holidays and I was like okay thank you very much but (laughs) 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 let's not push it too much (laughs) yeah so so it was uh, I was very fortunate that uh, everything fell into place and uh, with, with no budget with nothing and you know people were just so helpful very very helpful very encouraging so I'm very grateful for that that was great um it makes a very nice reading um for anyone who's listening to it to us now or you can just have a look at the article it's pretty nice reading the article i feel is very much uh crushing inspired is that just my impression or or is uh, it uh, when i when i first read your article and then reading it again uh, to prepare the interview i had the impression that the whole project was very much inspired by crushing and creating uh, a because you mentioned that you were trying to create a tension free environment and yeah. like this is emphasized so yeah I, I, yeah uh, when i was looking at er uh, much earlier in the earlier years right when i was first i was first doing er i realized that there were a lot of activity based uh while people were doing er and uh, i wondered whether that was suitable for the intention that I had. Uh, uh, reason being that um, if, they, if they were doing ER and then they had uh, an activity-based program to do after that, whether it was summary writing or review and you know prediction and things like that, or more finding the values in that story, I felt that you're taking away the joy of reading. And the objective was basically the receptive skills, not the productive skills. Mm-hmm. If if I focused a lot on uh, production after reading, I felt that it, it was not what I was looking for. I wanted my students to get the input and not the outputs uh, aspect. I, I felt that there were enough lessons for me to focus on output. I mean, there was any uh, every other lessons that I could do output. So that is where... Uh, when I read Day and Banford, they had another book on activities for ER. Yes. I was, I was a bit surprised, and um, I was, I was, uh, there were many doubts in my mind about that book. And I was also reading uh, at Day and Banford's Ten Principles, and I think one of the principles says reading is his own reward. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's I think right. it's yes, the that's right. the yeah. sixth commandment, actually. Oh, okay, <laughs> six from one one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> It's your Bible. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if if reading is its own reward, why was there a need to do so many, so why it was a need to focus on so many activities? I know that was uh, many things that were on my mind. And I said like, okay, I will not do that. I decided that uh, I, I move away. That's why I felt that uh, there were little things that I I realized when it comes to grassroots level, it was different. In theory, yes, but in, in practice, if you if I ask my students to do activities after that, it will yeah, the attention will be diverted from merely reading. They'll be more worried about that output sector and, and that defeats the purpose of ER for me. Sure. And my so no offense to uh, any of these uh, gurus on ER. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Uh, it is that uh, I wanted them to read, I wanted them to get that knowledge first, to get that input, and I worry about outputs at another lesson at another time. 
so that was all to it so no offense to anyone i um happy that you mentioned that other book by bumper and day the 2002 book which focuses on on activities uh, and when i read that book i didn't have that that feeling i felt that um those activities were not just um something that you had to add to the reading to have some output or something it was just uh some of those activities contributed to motivating students to continue doing extensive reading and also yeah. some of those activities were meant to uh contribute to creating a community of readers which is something yeah. that's, that's difficult so those keeping the students motivated and keeping the students like having them feel that they belong to a group of people who are doing this together uh that's difficult and some of the activities in that book were meant to help in that way that's that's what i felt also of course ER can be taken as a kind of a springboard to do other activities and it could I see what you mean I totally see what you I, mean I, I agree with you I, I, yeah I agree with you 100% I mean that book is fantastic I read it cover to cover it's got uh, you know uh, dog ears at the end of the pages and all that I, I use it very often uh, I agree that those activities are important and I do a lot of other activities that encourage students to read for example uh I have a let's talk session at the school assembly every week, so where they read something and they talk about it. So that's the program. Uh, I recently started, in this year, I started a book talk program where students read a book, I mean, we get a guest to read a book and you know, share it with the students. So uh, these activities, yes, they are important, but not in the 10 minutes of that. Of course. That I was so that was where I meant the, the distinction between just reading for pleasure and maybe that's what passion says, you know, uh, something that you enjoy. And there are other slots that all these activities will fall into place. That, that's what I meant. Yeah, that's important not to, not to let activities interrupt the actual time spent reading. Yeah. I, I was also very fortunate that um, I think it was last year, um, I think Rob Waring uh, introduced a mentoring program. Yes. And, yeah, and I I I uh, wrote in to request for help for motivation ideas, and I was very fortunate that I think uh, Glenn 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 Hill. Yes. Yes. Okay. I was very fortunate that uh, he he replied my emails. He sent me three emails. We were corresponding a bit, and he gave me many many ideas on how to do uh, motivation. Like I said, these were outside that 10 minutes of, of that pure reading that I was uh, encouraging my students to do. So yes, I, I totally agree that those activities were important, are important, and it, it kept the momentum going. You know, the novelty of doing ER is always alive, because there's always something new to look at for. So, so no offense, I, I agree that the book, the book is... <laughs> He's not offended. I'm not offended. He's Nobody not is offended. offended. <laughs> What are we leaving out? Right? Yeah, is there any is there any other questions that, that we haven't asked that you would like to, to speak on or anything that you feel that we've left out? Uh, there were there were six things that I started when I started doing ER. We talked about 
material. Alright, we talked about uh, finding time to read. Uh, we talked about uh, making sure that it was just relaxation. Right, those three. And then the next thing was uh, the student factor that we had to do the orientation. Yeah. That was yeah. the thing I think that I highlighted. And then the fifth thing was uh, about the teacher. I think, you know, the teacher uh, has to read along. Uh, the teacher played a very important role. I felt that that was important. I, I totally agree with what uh, you said that the role model factor is important. Uh, also feel that, uh, and I'm very grateful that I am today because of yeah, it's because of uh, the the support that I got from many people. And I feel ER should never be a solo journey. It's a collaborative effort, and I think that aspect is important because the more you talk about it. Uh, you know, you get a lot of input along the way, you exchange ideas, like the uh, mentoring program, like the conference. Uh, many of these programs, you know, it, it guides you, it encourages you to do ER. And I think that's important that, uh, you know, that it should be a lot of collaborative effort. The other program, uh, talking of collaboration, there was this, uh, there is this program, the LL Award program. Uh, the language literature, yeah. Language learner literature. Yeah. yeah correct. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's under Tom Rob, I think. Well, and, I, think uh, I think that's the that's a project of the Extensive Reading Foundation. I don't think yes, it, yes. it depends on just one person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Correct. And uh, I, I mean, that's why I say you know it's a collaborative effort where I try to sign up for that, and then they send us the books, and I get those books. Uh, for my students to read and you know it's something new that the topics are very fresh and very current issues so i think these are, are input that students enjoy so i feel that uh, you know i've got lots of help along the way so i'm very grateful for that good yeah. and reading and extensive reading bringing, bringing people together yeah <laughs> it's really yeah. nice yeah okay so well thank you thank yeah. you so much for for that I really I think we really needed to talk to someone like you because we've been talking so much about theory and so much about graded readers but just talking to somebody who who's taken taken the theory and putting it into practice in a real tangible way without a lot of um, immediate support is is inspiring so thank you yeah, uh, uh, yeah. okay no worries I just hope I didn't disappoint uh, anyone <laughs> didn't offend anyone along no, the way. No, that was wonderful. <laughs> no, that was great. That was. I think was I think our listeners will will really enjoy that. So. All right. Uh, Thank I, you for the opportunity. Oh well, thanks to you for being there. Uh, you touch on many many different things that uh, I wanted on the podcast, like the okay. the mentoring program, for example. Um, it hadn't pop up. It hadn't come up in the in, in the in the podcast yet. <laughs> I was happy that somebody mentioned it finally. <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, the virtuous cycle and the vicious cycle. Uh, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> okay, I'm. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that that research and all that. I think that reading really helped to uh, guide. Someone like me, we, we don't have that exposure over here. Uh, very few people talk about ER at all. So, 
yeah, it's called ER. And, and, and mention ER in, in lessons. It's just something they assume. They assume people will do. And they assume that students will read on their own. So I feel uh, that's, uh, you know, wishful thinking that you assume things will happen by itself. So on a practical level, on at the grassroots level, at the classroom level, if you don't create opportunities, if you don't make it happen, I think uh, you will not be able to reach out to many students. Mm. Totally agree. <laughs> Thanks, Navinder. It was wonderful. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful talking with you. I really liked, again, what you'd said about um, from theory to practice and how, how to get practical and how to take everything you've read in, in articles and really apply it to your own classroom. I thought that was really inspiring. And overcoming difficulties. Like, you have no graded readers, no budget, no books. Well, mm. you find a way out and um, you start having your students doing extensive reading. So. Yeah. That and was inspiring. She talked about a lot of things like um, the mentoring program. And I know that was something you'd... I wanted. would really like to have on the show more often. Yeah. And I would like to hear some more about the mentoring program. Uh-huh. But just um, making use of kind of the international community, even if you're in a in a, in a place in, that doesn't really support extensive reading. Um, so no matter, no matter your situation, there are resources that you can either make or a kind of a grassroots movement. And that's, that was really inspiring to inspiring, hear. Inspiring, yeah. That's so. Inspiring is the word, yeah. I also like to hear about the um, uh, Noodles, uh, Vicious and... Virtuous <laughs> reading cycles, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't get tired of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so just like um, Navender, who is doing extensive reading in Malaysia, um, if you're doing extensive reading and you have uh, a story to tell, whether you're with us in Japan or abroad in any country, we'd we'd love to hear from you. Either if you want to open up that discussion through our comment section or through our email. And hey, even if you'd like to talk more in depth about it, we'd love to have you as a guest. Yeah, um, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. So um, you, dear listener, we're interested in hearing from you. We are. <laughs> so if you'd like to contact us, uh, yeah, send us an email. We are at exrpodcast uh, at gmail.com. Or you can leave a comment on our um, website, which is uh, erpodcast.wordpress.com. Yeah. Um, Hope to see you tomorrow at Jera. Yeah. Uh, remember uh, Kyoto Gaidai University or Kyoto University of Foreign Studies starting at 10, if I remember correctly. Uh, with uh, Atsuko Takase and Aaron Campbell, among other speakers. Um, and beware, there might be two guys with uh, microphones or mobile phones <laughs> uh, trying to get your opinions. Yeah, so, well, yeah, we'll probably be there. <laughs> <laughs> Great, so that uh, that covers it for us. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. So, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.